Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And as always, we'll go over this match day's results. So, starting on Friday night, we had Hanover 0, RB Leipzig 3. Moving into Saturday, Nuremberg 1, Werner Bremen 1, Hertha Berlin 0, Wolfsburg 1, Hoffenheim 1, Dusseldorf 1, and yes, wait for it, Leverkusen 3, Bayern Munich 1. Frankfurt won, Dortmund won, so yeah, points were dropped as we predicted. Schalke nil, Borussia Mönchengladbach too. And then into Sunday, we had the teams down at the bottom, battling it out for points as we've seen Osberg 3, Mainz nil, and Stuttgart 2, Freiburg 2. So joining me, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Bryce have been very well, thank you. Um, another good match day. Started off well on Friday, and that always sets the tone and a thrilling match to end it with. So, yeah, it's really good. Um, a good snowy, wintry weekend's worth of football. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I I was at a, an Irish wedding this weekend, so, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling absolutely fantastic. Uh, <laughs> anyway, joining uh, Chris and I is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Oh, I'm very good. Um, probably feeling a lot better than you do. Bryce has uh, have not been to an Irish wedding. But yeah, I'm really excited. I'm actually um, heading back to Germany on Tuesday. Uh, so be going to a bunch of games over there, um, starting with, with Friday, um, the, the match in Mainz, and then Bayern, of course, um, on the Saturday. That's already been confirmed. So really, really looking forward to heading back there and um, doing some um, football grad work on the ground. Wow, fantastic. Yeah, always busy for you when you're back in Germany, but it always sounds uh, rather enjoyable as well. Um, how long are you back for on this occasion? Um, close to a month. So it's it's nice because, of course, I have MLS duties over here, right? And I have to be back here for March 2nd um, when the season starts here. So I'm, I'm doing the, the February over there and then a couple of months here and then I'm back for the, the annual uh, Football Guard Green pressing trip in May. Lovely, yeah, very good. Well, I hope you packed up lots of layers, um, as Chris mentioned. Yeah, it's snowy. It's chilly over there, isn't it? But, guys, let's uh, stop talking about the weather and talk about the football. Um, on Friday night, we've seen Hanover um, host RB Leipzig, but unfortunately they came away with it with nothing. RB Leipzig with three goals and three points. Uh, Chris, um, it looks like RB are, are back on track, really. Um, a rather convincing and impressive performance. Yeah, it was. It was very, very convincing and very, very impressive. There was very little wrong with the way Leipzig approached this game. Um, Hanover, I think I tweeted out at the time, this is possibly the worst Hanover side, uh, sorry, the worst Bundesliga side that I've seen since Hanover got relegated like three years ago. Um, So unfortunately for them, it's not been the best of times. Um, Even a change of manager couldn't really do anything about it. Obviously, Thomas Dahl came in. Um, it's a big ask, isn't it, to turn around um, a failing side inside of, of five, six, seven days. And he has got a, well, I'm going to call it an impossible job. This must be a job for next season. But even then, I mean, we all watched Bundesliga 2 as well. And some of the games I've seen in that, Hanover would struggle just as bad. But for however bad Hanover were, Leipzig were just phenomenal. I mean, take your pick of players who played well. Um, Orban, fantastic. Canate, brilliant. Um, La- Conrad Leimer, fantastic. 
Kuna, brilliant. Sabitzer are excellent. I'll leave Tyler Adams for Manu because he was exceptional again. Cannot believe that this is this guy's second game in a Bundesliga because, well, he looked like a, a guy that's been playing for years. I know Ian Joy, who we all know as a good friend of ours, um, he tweeted out he looks like he's played 100 games already. That was last week, and I thought, I might be a little bit too soon, Ian, but no, again, uh, Adams was fantastic. Um, I think the the biggest surprise for me was um, Peter Galashi, Bryce. He pulled a muscle in the first half. He only touched the ball, um, I think he touched the ball eight times, and three of those were goal kicks. So I don't know if he did pull a muscle or if he just really wanted a break because it was minus one and he wasn't doing anything. Yeah, maybe stiffened up or something with a lack of action, eh? And then when he was called to do something, that was it. Or you could be right, he just wanted to get off the field. But let's talk a little bit more um, about Tyler Adams. Uh, Manu, you, you obviously um, filled us in on what type of player that RB were getting. Uh, he was rather impressive, rather comfortable in his debut. And this second game, you know, he, he, he's looked very comfortable once again. He, he does look like quite a player they've got in the middle there. Yeah, he just looks so comfortable with this the setup, and I mean, he he's been quite outspoken about this that he really wanted this move to Leipzig, right? And um, he's he's actually trained with the academy a few years ago, and um, he's always said like this is going to be my next step, and it makes sense, and it's such a smart move in a way because Chris said this last last week already. Do he basically goes from? he basically moves from one club to another that is the same club, right? The same organization. And so when he's at uh, Kotavik, he he's the same jerseys, the same colors, the, all the same ad uh, advertising around the, around the stands and um, the, the logos are everywhere, almost the same, right? So it's, it's easy. And then of course the system is the same. His former head coach, Jesse March is there. Um, he's familiar with what is asked of him. And I thought it was, you can just see that when he's on the on the pitch, they, he knows what what he needs to do, right? He knows the setup, he knows what's asked of him tactically. Um, so that all of that makes it easier. But at the same time, he plays a holding midfielder role. He's basically been asked to fill the void that Leipzig haven't been able to fill in the last six months, ever since Navy Cater left. That's the role he's all of a sudden asked to play. He's a little bit more defensively; he doesn't have that same triple ability. But at the same time, he completed 83.1% of his passes in this role. And what he just kept that game and midfield together. I mean, Hannover didn't have a single chance in transition. And that's because Leipzig were extremely solid in midfield. And I picked him as my man of the match. Um, not because he didn't do the flashy things. Um, I, I read one comment that Willy Orban should have been the man of the match because he scored two goals, but those were two set-piece goals. I mean, this is not hard, not as hard work as what Adams had to do for the full 90 minutes playing in midfield, holding this team together. And I think as a 19-year-old, that's just incredible. It's it's really outstanding stuff. So, yeah, he, I thought he was is very good. And to make that jump the way he's done, I, I don't think you see that very often. Um, coming from MLS to the Bundesliga, playing in such a key role. Um, I don't think I can think of another example where that has taken place. Um, Chris, just before before we cap this Leipzig stuff off, um, you mentioned Hannover has been the worst side that you've seen since Hannover went down last. Um, you're not wrong. It's their fifth home game in, in the row where they have not scored. And the only other two teams that managed that in the Bundesliga history were Cottbus in 2002-2003 and Hannover in 2015-2016. And <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. They they were awful and um we talked when the game was going on that I said to you man I, I think this Hannover side are worse than Darmstadt and by the end of that 90 minutes and, and watching them the week before uh I've come to the conclusion that they are the worst side I've seen since the last time they were relegated but yeah, I mean, you've already mentioned how good Adams was and, and there was three contenders for the man of the match. Adams definitely up there, Orban, um, but also Halstenberg was fantastic with his goal and his assist as well and, and really making just waves down that left-hand side. Um, just fantastic attacking play as well as defensively, although Hanover offered very little and you're quite right. I think they had one shot and that, that was somewhere around the 85th minute. It was absolutely dire um, for them, but... Yeah, we all watched the, the Dortmund-Leipzig game or the Leipzig-Dortmund game and, and I have a sense that um, Leipzig were, were quite unlucky that night. Roman Berkey played fantastic match and, and so I'm unsurprised 
um, that they won in the, in the manner they did because I thought they were unlucky in that game when we came out of the winter break. But yeah, just getting back to a sort of, of tempo that we used to seeing. This Leipzig was familiar with the Leipzig side, maybe not last season, but the season before when they first came up. Uh, and that's something um, that Ragnick needs and Jesse Marsh need to get out of them because on their day, they're a fantastic side and, and they should be pushing for that fourth um, place and the automatic qualification for the Champions League. Yeah, and it's looking really good for them now. They're five points ahead of Frankfurt in in fourth place. Um, only five points behind Gladbach and Bayern, right? We'll get to talk about them in a bit. But yeah, it, it's it's looking quite good for them. I think they have the, a very nice cushion now um, to the non-Champions League places. Yeah, I mean, guys, I feel we need to talk a little bit about, you know, whether RB Leipzig have um, turned a corner. I mean, it, it, it could be pointing towards Tyler Adams um, making the difference, um, having that stability within the squad, maybe in that midfield position. But, you know, th- things are looking good for them at the moment. Though they've got a rather tough uh, game next match day. Yes, they've got a Pokal game during the week, but uh, they're going to be coming up against Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, Chris, how do you see that going? Do you, you, it's somewhat of a, a six-pointer in that position, isn't it? You know, it would really open the gap if they could beat them. Yeah, it would. But that's the question: Can they beat them? Obviously, the league leaders went there this weekend, and I know we'll talk about that in great depth in a moment. But Frankfurt are playing fantastic football. Not only are they stubborn defensively. Um, they're they're exceptional on the ball and, and Adi Hutt has taken them I think to the next step where Kovac and I can't say he failed because obviously he moved on and went to Bayern Munich but it was the next progressive step for Frankfurt which was balance this aggressiveness and an almost nasty side they've got to their game with being able to play good football and Adi Hutt has done that and I think we spoke last season and maybe even the season before how many times did Frankfurt let their ill discipline get the better of them um, and they don't now, and it, this will be a real test for Leipzig. Um, I can see this maybe being a draw, like it was on the weekend with Dortmund, and, and it maybe would be a fair result. But yeah, you're quite right. It's definitely a six-pointer because um, if Leipzig if Leipzig win, I mean, that is a massive gap. But if Frankfurt win, obviously the gap's closed. So uh, it's definitely up for one, and, and I'm surprised um, that that's as, as high as it is really, although... The evening game is Bayern Munich against Schalke, so that's why it's got the top billing. But in terms of um, in terms of the table at the moment, that three thirty game will be fantastic. Yes, well, it's um, definitely going to be an exciting game. Prospect of a lot of attacking football in that one. But guys, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about Saturday because there was an awful lot going on the top end of the table with uh, Dortmund and uh, Bayern Munich. Obviously, Bayern had been on quite a run to try and keep the pressure on Dortmund, but points were dropped by both sides, weren't they? And well, well, let's talk a little bit about Bayern first. Uh, Bayern played uh, Leverkusen away from home and managed to, well, come away with nothing. They they were up early, but managed to lose 3-1. Manu, what exactly went wrong here? I mean, Leverkusen really turned on the second half. Uh, was it Leverkusen being so good because we've seen them be so up and down this season or was it a fact of Bayern Munich just not being at the races? This was a really interesting game and it was almost a game of two halves and I I need to explain this because when when you look at the actual numbers Leverkusen looked like they dominated this game really from start to finish but um, in the first first half, Leverkusen really only had one chance, and Bayern. I counted four chances for Bayern, um, four shots, four chances where they actually got the ball on net. Um, Leverkusen didn't have that, but at the same time, Leverkusen and this this is this is only eye test, right? This is not you can't really back this up by actual numbers. Leverkusen actually only looked dangerous when going forward, but lacked that final product, that last third in attack, and that's because Bayern were really solid in midfield they were able to shut down um, Leverkusen whenever they got into that final third but it was such a high tempo game it was back and forward the entire time it was actually very similar in and, and this is a comparison that I thought um, of um, right away is very similar to the Dortmund game that Bayern lost um, where Bayern went high tempo for the first 45 minutes got the lead, fantastic goal by Leon Goretzka. They looked really good. They looked really solid. The question mark, of course, was how long could they go this high-tempo game? And 
um, really around the 60 minute mark when the goals started to go in for Leverkusen, um, they went flat. They couldn't, they couldn't respond to Leverkusen turning it around. They couldn't really respond to the, to the high tempo game. Yes, uh, Bayern will argue, okay, we, we scored a second goal. Lewandowski scored. That was ultimately ruled offside, rightfully ruled offside. Yes, they had to bring out the ruler, but you have to remember they had to bring out the ruler for a goal that Leverkusen scored as well and was then rightfully determined to be a goal. So I think Bayern's big problem, and this, this, and you know, both you and Chris are Liverpool fans, uh, Bryce, and this, the critique in the media in Germany has been brutal um, to the Bayern side because they're saying every time they're playing a high-tempo side or every time another team ups the tempo a little bit against them, they struggle in uh, the transition game. And that's because their backline is is very slow at times and they're just not able to contain teams that play high-pressing football. We all know that this is exactly the kind of football that Peter Bosch plays, right? So the moment Peter Bosch's team had that advantage, the physical advantage of being just a fitter side, Bayern couldn't offer anything anymore. And that is that is that is a big question mark going into the Liverpool team because like like Dortmund, like Leverkusen or a lot of the other Bundesliga teams, Klopp plays high pressing football. I can't see Bayern being able to contain that for 180 minutes. It's just where is it gonna come from? And then of course on top of that and I thought this was a really interesting comment um, that I read in the Süddeutsche Zeitung, and I 100% agree with that, where you see teams like Leverkusen, like Dortmund, um, Leipzig, they are not afraid to play the young 19-year-olds in key positions. They're, not, they, they're, they're okay with them making mistakes because they know they can offer that high-tempo game. Kovac only brings in the 19-year-olds at the 17-minute mark when the game is already almost decided. And Serge Gnabry and Alfonso Davies and Renato Sanchez all came in at the 75th minute. What are you supposed to do? And at that point, you have 50 minutes to turn the game around. Um, those are players that can offer, offer you the speed that you need to be successful in the league. But in 50 minutes, where's, where you, where you, how are you supposed to make an impact, right? I, I think he should have gone much earlier with that change in order to counter Leverkusen's high-pressing game, but he's just not willing, or maybe it's the pressure of playing, being in a big club. Um, he's just not willing to do what he's done in Frankfurt, where he, I mean, Chris, we, how many times have we talked last year about that he's willing to bring in the young, fast players and develop them, but he's has all these players now at Bayern, and he's not necessarily doing it. No, I think there is quite a lot of pressure on him there. Um, and we saw earlier on in the season when he left certain personnel out, there was almost um, a, a discontent that ran through the camp and then that bred poor results. And I do think that he's got he's maybe trying to coach this side with one hand tied behind his back because he's got to pay lip service to some of these elder statesmen who maybe are going to be transitioned out during the next two seasons or next season, season and a half. But is he going to get the chance to be able to, to coach there? Because... I mean, if you look at who Leverkusen had, the likes of um, Bailey and even Julian Brandt, who had a fantastic game, you know, he made 88% of his um, of his passes came off. He had three key passes. He was switching the play very quickly. And he had five completed um, long balls out of six. He had three successful dribbles um, out of three, you know, and in, the, in his duels and his battles in the midfield, um, he won six out of the seven that he went into. So, I mean, that's the sort of game that Julian Brandt had, and, and that's the sort of game, really, that um, Kovac needs to be getting out the likes of Kingsley Coman and James Rodriguez, um, who maybe didn't step up to that play. I thought the likes of Thomas Muller and Kimmich I thought, had a good game. Um, but outside of that, even with his goal, Goretzka wasn't particularly good. Not if you're going to look at uh, who was around him on the other side. So Bailey, Volland, um, Bellarabi, etc. Even a right-back, Weisser, was, was exceptional. So... I think Manu's quite right. It's this high press and there's it, it, there's no coincidence that the best performing players for Leverkusen were the front three and then also um, Julian Brandt because their their job is in essence is to win the ball back as high up the pitch as possible and that's what they did. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with Manu that, that Bayern looks susceptible to a high press team and this game did look very much like the, the game against Dortmund as Manu said where 
all of a sudden you up that tempo and, and Bayern can't cope. And Manu's quite right going into that double-header Champions League game against Liverpool. You know, and I'll take my Liverpool half at the moment and do it as a Bundesliga commentator. I think they're going to struggle because, you know, they've got the likes of Mane, Salah, Firmino, Firmino especially. And we've all seen what he did in the Bundesliga at Hoffenheim. You know, he can play that game. So it, it's going to be difficult for them. And if things don't improve, I mean, if they were to dip out of the Pokal and maybe lose their next game, and then if they fall out of the Champions League, I think the Kovac out crew could be getting very, very vocal, um, and it could be a matter of time. But, I mean, as I've said before, I do think they need to stick with him because it's no good if you're trying to transition a team. You can't be chopping a manager left, right and centre. Look what Dieter Hecking has established this year by being given a little bit of time in the role at Gladbach. So, it's a hard one for Kovac and it's whether he gets the time because Bayern is such a big club. And it's not really fair to him either. I mean, it looked like for a while during the winter transfer window that they had identified exactly their shortcomings by targeting Lucas Hernandez and Callum hudson Odoi. Those Hernandez in that defensive line, he would be resistant to that high press, right? Because he just has that speed. Um, with Benjamin Pavard, they could have triggered that earlier and just gave Stuttgart a bunch of money and said, okay, we'll bring him in now. And Hudson Odoi would have been that extra option off the bench because right now, Ribéry is hurt again. Robin is hurt again. Gnabry is struggling with his fitness. And Coman is also just an injury away. I mean, they, it, it looks like they have a lot of depth in the attack, but they really they don't, right? And um, Alfonso Davies he comes on in the 75th minute when to basically get the coals out of the fire. That's not exactly fair to an 18-year-old kid who's just making the transition, right? I just, I just think that they maybe by not triggering that 80 million euro um, exit clause for Lucas Hernandez, that could be something that in those two Champions League games they might, might regret, um, because I think that would have been a statement of intent that could have maybe made the dominoes fall a little different for the other transfer targets that they had. So guys, it, it seems like we're in agreement that you know, this high press, this quick football seems to be a, a real problem for Bayern Munich. But uh, Chris, to, just to talk about that a little bit further, I mean, does it just boil down to the players aren't quick enough or they're not coached in that way? Or what, what makes a team maybe bad at being able to deal with that type of uh, football? It's a matter of of reasons why it's not particularly working for them at the moment and why they are so susceptible. If you if you look at who is in the side at the moment, I mean, take out Kimmich and Muller and maybe even Hummels who had a good game, but he's fluctuated. The others were a little susceptible. There's, there's nobody that's really able to to play as fast on the ball as, as maybe they should be. I mean, Kingsley Coman, I think he's fantastic. I thought he was a little slow. Goretzka for his goal, I thought he was a little slow. The same for James Rodriguez. They're all just playing a little bit under themselves at the moment. And if you come across a team that's playing um, in their groove and, and are exceptionally good on the day, which by Leverkusen were, even after falling behind, um, you know, it, it, it makes a problem for you. So, I mean, how do they fix it in the short term? It's it's on the coaching field because this is the same side that had gone on and won, was it six games on the trot previous prior to this defeat? So it's not like it's completely broken. It just seems it's fallen down. And obviously there's no Manuel Neuer at the moment and Bayern are very good at building from the back. Wasn't particularly sure that Sven Ulreich had his best game that he's ever had for Bayern. And, and you know, if we're going to do a deep dive into Ulreich, he's had a few shockers if you think back to the um, Champions League last season. He, he is susceptible occasionally. And if you watch Bayern play and and um, Neuer is right out and really high, that, that's why they've been able to attack because he's almost in excess since the, the sweeper-keeper. Now, Ulreich's not potentially as good as that. So the problems are building from the back. Um, Manu and I have spoken off this pod before and, and we spoke, I think it was two weeks ago, and I did say to him, we're going to have to sit down at some point and discuss when's the next Neuer coming in and how is it going to be a problem for them? And that's not to say the whole game was a problem as Sven Ulreich, but if if you're a side like Bayern who build from the back and maybe it's not the best at the back, you're going to have a problem. I mean, Rafinha wasn't particularly good. Um, Sula played below himself and even um, David Alaba wasn't the best. Now, there's um, there's three out of your five back line, including a goalkeeper that didn't have a particularly good day. So you can see why it's going to be problematic for them. Um, but if they take this form into that Liverpool game, it'll be even more problematic. But 
you know what Bayern are like. They will go out next week and maybe rectify this and go on a three and four game run. But it's dropping the points when they're playing catch up that they simply can't afford to do. And I think that catch up is getting to them too, Chris. I think knowing that you can't afford any mistakes and then on top of that, having played that World Cup last year that for a lot of those players was not very successful. I think they're just playing catch up and then you have that little bit of doubt in the back of your head whether your system that you're playing is still the right system and I think all of that combined psychologically leads a little bit to mistakes and it's now seven points um they're basically one defeat away from saying goodbye to the title I mean technically speaking statistically speaking Bayern have never come back from a seven point deficit at this stage of the season to win the title Never, ever in history. So, I mean, yes, of course, that history is there to be changed. But, I mean, you know that in the back of your head. One more draw that Dortmund wins, that's nine points. If they lose another game and Dortmund wins, that's ten. I mean, we're basically talking the next defeat is game over. And that, that must be just nagging on them so much with everything else that's been going on in the season, with the injuries, the fact that Manuel Neuer is now out again, right? It's just, I think that's, it's a lot going on. And yes, you go on a seven game win streak. They have won seven in a row going into this, but you know that that's not going to be enough. That must, that's just, that's just the worst thing, I think, for a side trying to play catch up. And, um, it almost seems futile, I think, at times. I mean, well, they're going to play Schalke next week, who, or, or this coming match day, match day 21, obviously 20's just finished. Uh, and, and Schalke were poor and deservedly, beaten by Gladbach. So so there's their ability to get that back. But if if they were to fail um, on that, and as you quite rightly say, if they're to go nine, ten points behind, I mean, I think ten points behind is, is pretty much the title's handed over because you're asking Dortmund um, to lose three games on the run and draw, which I'm not so certain is going to happen between now and the end of the season, especially looking at the fixtures that both sides have got. So Bayern cannot afford to drop any more points between now and the rest of the season. And the way they're playing, they don't look like a side who, who won't drop points. And guys, let's talk about uh, Bayern's next game then in the Pokal midweek Wednesday. They're going to face uh, Hertha Berlin. Uh, Manu, how do you see that game going? Do you think Bayern are going to field a first team? Do you think you know, with the Champions League you know, being a bit of a concern without those players coming in, as we mentioned, uh, and obviously the league, them still chasing, that it, it's one one competition that they could do without. Um, I do know that um, Manuel Neuer is not going to make it again. He's got ligament issues in his thumb, I believe. Yeah, and that looks it looks serious. So he could be out for some time. Look, we all know that the Pokal, I, I had this question today on, on Twitter and um, this person obviously doesn't watch football very much, uh, German football very much, because the Pokal is not comparable to the FA Cup or other cup competitions in around Europe. Chris and I, we, we both cover this competition quite a bit and it's it's a very important competition. It's not a game, it's not, not a competition where you field your second team. Um, you just It's just not done, right? Uh, you sometimes let your second keeper give a run out, but that's because most Bundesliga sides have two keepers on an equal level. And uh, look at Leipzig, for example, right? Uh, or Dortmund. Um, so, but as in squad rotation, that's just not done because the competition is just too important to win. And for a side like Bayern, they, I mean, how important is the, is the cup final in German football? Just look how often Bayern get there and win it or Dortmund get there and win it. The big teams take this competition very serious. That said, Hertha took all three points of Bayern um, in the Hinrunde, right, in Berlin. So this is going to be a very difficult game for them, um, a game that they can't really afford. Like if they drop out of the Pokal, I mean, the headlines were bad this weekend. Um, imagine how bad they will be when they drop out of the, if they drop out of the Pokal midweek. And then they have to play a Schalke against the Topspiel at the Allianz Arena at home and in an atmosphere that's already difficult. I think they can't afford to lose that game at all. And for Hertha, I mean, Berlin really wants to have Berlin in the final. That's been a dream for them for so long. So Hertha is going to take this game very, very serious. And Hertha have been very good lately. Chris, what about you? Do you feel that there's going to be an awful lot of pressure and well, the air could be a little bit toxic uh, in Munich um, if they fail to go through against Hertha? Yeah, I do. Because Manu's quite right. 
the um, the beauty of of German football and why German football is so strong, not just within the within the country itself, but um, on the European stage, is because they only have one domestic cup, which is the Pokal. There is no um, League Cup equivalent. It was binge years ago, um, so it is a strong cup. Um, and you know, if if a team wins the double, it, it's fantastic. I mean. Um, I've been fortunate enough to go to the last two Pokal finals and I can tell you that it is a top-notch competition. The Dortmund-Frankfurt game that I went to where Dortmund won was a fabulous game. The Frankfurt-Bayern one that Manu and I went to last season was a phenomenal game. Packs of the rafters, you know, there isn't there isn't a seat available in the whole of the stadium. It is a sellout. It is a real thoroughbred cup competition and if Bayern dip out... You know, I think Kovac will be under even more pressure. And Manu's quite right to mention the fixture because the fixture where they were beaten in Berlin, it was because Hertha played at such a high a high tempo and pressed the likes of... Obviously, they've got Gruic at the moment, Duda, Ibizovic, Selka, Plattenhardt can play well, Lazaro's playing well, Lustenberger's playing well at the back. Rekic is a strong player and maybe shouldn't be featuring um, in the league at the moment from his, his tackle at Schalke the other week, but he's going to be he's going to be in this Pokal side. And on their night, Hertha Berlin can be a fantastic side, and it's whether it's it's whether Bayern are ready for that. And if we think back to that game in Berlin um, in the Olympia Stadion, Hertha smelt blood and they pounced on it and they tore Bayern apart that night. And I think anything similar midweek, it will happen again. Yeah, tough times over at Bayern. Plenty of pressure. But uh, let's speak a little bit, Manu, about um, your uh, favourite team, uh, Bayern Leverkusen. I mean, obviously a fantastic result for them. Uh, things are looking a little bit better than what they did earlier in the season. They're now closing in... Um, well, closing in is maybe being a bit kind uh, on maybe a Champions League space, but you know, getting into Europe looks more certain than it ever has for them. It's only seven points to a Champions League spot, Bryce. Uh, look where they were before um, before the winter, and then they lost. They lost what they lost the first game on uh, Peter Bosch, right? But have looked very good. Um, have looked very good in the last two games, and. In this game in particular, I thought they were excellent. Uh, I think Peter Bosch, um, I hope this is not a honeymoon because we had a honeymoon under Peter Bosch at Dortmund where they were very good in the first, was it seven games? I, I'm really curious to see if he's, if he can get the best out of the side because I know this, this still is, uh, I still receive a lot of jokes about this and I did pick Leverkusen to potentially win the title, but I based that on the squad and this is a very, very talented side especially going forward. And if you, they get the right coach to get the best out of these players, like Bosch did against Bayern, they're going to be very difficult to beat every weekend. And I think I think that's really been the one weakness that Leverkusen had, has been on the coaching chair. Because when you when I look at all these players that they have, I mean, Bailey, Folland, Lucas Alario came off the bench, Harvards went out injured and they still won the game. Um, Brandt is an amazing talent. The, the, the backline, Tar, uh, Weiser, right? Even Radetzky is a good keeper, although he looked shaky at times. I think there's a lot of potential on this side. Um, and that is just something, that is just something that they really need to get more out of. And if they get more out of it and add to it, then they should be, a, they should have been a Champions League contender all season. I mean, you look at the, when you, when you take aside the really bad start, their point average actually points to that. Um, it's just that they had such a poor start under Heiko Herrlich. And it, once the players really ignored Heiko Herrlich and what he was telling them, they started playing very good football, right? They, they were already good ahead of the Hinrunde when the player comments more or less suggested that they were doing whatever thought was best for them. So they're a good team. And seven points is not a lot in the Bundesliga, um, considering how much there is still left and how how inconsistent a lot of the teams ahead of them are. Yeah, I think they're finally playing to a level that we would have expected from Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Chris, a quick yes or no. Do Bayer Leverkusen get that fourth place spot? Uh, no. I'm going to say they'll finish in the Europa League spot. Fair enough. And given, <laughs> given the way they started, that would be a success, I think. Absolutely. I think I, I couldn't agree more. But... Um, I suppose we've got still plenty to discuss, so let's move on to Borussia Dortmund. Um, top of the table, uh, they managed to draw with Eintracht Frankfurt 1-1, both goals being in the first half. Um, some may say that that's um, 
a missed opportunity uh, to increase that uh, gap um, from you know, reigning champions Bayern Munich. But uh, it, at the end of the day, it's a point gained, isn't it, Chris? Um, uh, will Dortmund be happy with the weekend? I would imagine that they will be. I'm, I'm going to say no, um, and that's based on the amount of chances they had to win the game. Um, the first half was, was phenomenal football. It was end-to-end. The second half, a little duller, and I do think that both coaches will have um, imparted, and I put this in the in the report, the match report I did for fushballstart.com, is that there was so much space um, for, for either side to attack. and There was a lax play, there was some short passing, um, and there was a lot of time and space being afforded to whoever was on the ball, be that Frankfurt players or Dortmund players. And um, both Favre and Hutter would have identified that at half-time, and I think that's what happened because the second half was a much tighter affair. But... I mean, the first um, opening moments, it, it could have been 1-1 one, one instantly. Um, Royce really should have done better with the loose ball across the box than, than what he did. And, and Berkey makes a fantastic save from um, De Costa. Uh, but once Dortmund got into their groove and they took the lead um, through Royce with a fantastic assist by Guerrero, who just dances ghosts through the Frankfurt defence, um, Royce scored in the 22nd minute. He then missed for him, which was a sitter on 24 minutes. And then he hit the bar on 20, I think it was six minutes. So he had he taken one of those two chances and he hit the bar um, from his shot inside the box, it looked harder to hit the bar than to hit the net. So on reflection um, for the whole of the game, I think maybe Favre and his side will be a little disappointed they didn't take all three points. They'll especially be disappointed um, at the defending. It was on Julian Weigel's side, but to single him out would be unfair because apart from that very minute lack of concentration, he had another very good game at centre-back. But for for everything Frankfurt did, um, they were just as good going forward in the in the first half as well. Um, the, the trio of Jovic, Haller and Rebic were, were fantastic again. Kostic was brilliant. Um, even Sebastian Roda, who'd made his way um, from Dortmund played very very well also um, and it was it was a very enjoyable game I'd say for 60 minutes the last few minutes were a little dire um, and I think both sides knew that they, they were going to draw and that maybe they were in for the draw and it was the fairest of results and, and the tempo really started to slow because it was so high to begin with um, and that's a very long-winded way of, of answering your question Bryce but the game was fantastic, um, but on the whole of it, I think Frankfurt will be a lot more happy. Um, and they've obviously turned around the form from when these two sides met earlier on in the season, when I think Adi Hutter was still getting to grips with the squad and, and getting to know them, because this Frankfurt side are completely different. And we've all seen what they've done in the Europa League, and both Mano I and yourself have got them down as, as our hopeful side to win that competition. Um, and they proved to Dortmund's side that it's not going to be easy for them to win the title, that they may have the odd team rollover for them like Hanover, but Frankfurt uh, are where they are in the table and where they are in the um, European standings at the moment because of the of the football they play. And, and, and yeah, it was a very, very good match. And as I put in my match report, you know, 1-1 was the fairest of results in the end. Chris, uh, then I'm going to stick with you and just see how much... Um... Focus, do you think then Dortmund will have uh, on the Pokal uh, midweek? They're facing uh, Werder Bremen. That, that's going to be a, a tough game as well. Yeah, it will be. Um, and as Manu said, for, for Bayern, I don't think that Lucien Favre will um, will change his side too much. He does have the um, he does have the luxury to be able to maybe change it a little bit. Look, who didn't play in this game? Okay, Mario Gossa didn't start. Philip didn't start. Brun Larsen didn't start. Dehu didn't start. Pulisic didn't start. Even Toprak, um, and even hits to the whole of that match day squad. You could you could pretty much swap all of those players out and still have a very very good Dortmund side. Now I don't think Lucien Favre will do that. I think he may give um, Dehu a chance. He may probably start Larsen or even Pulisic, um, but. It's if we're going to look at swapping teams, and you know we talked about earlier what can Bayern do. Well, Dortmund have got a luxury at the moment where they built themselves a very good squad. So I can't see them um, not taking this competition seriously because you know they won it two seasons ago, and they'll probably want to win it again. I mean, what a fantastic statement it would be if they were to win the league by 
four, five, six points and win the Pokal in May. I mean, that would be a phenomenal season for um, Lucien Favre. And who knows where they're going to get in the Champions League. I would suggest they're going to get a round further now because Tottenham Hotspur don't look particularly good. Got a few injuries, didn't really strengthen their side when they should have done. So at the moment, everything's favouring Dortmund. But you're quite right, Ferdinand Bremen on their day can be very good. That day wasn't this weekend, but you never know in a one-off cup match. But I would say, Bryce, that they'll take this competition just as seriously as the other two that they're in. Manu, then, if we talk a little bit about Eintracht, oh, we, we mentioned them earlier in that they are basically the biggest rivals to RB Leipzig, getting that fourth spot, that Champions League spot. There's five points in between the two of them, one being on 37, one being on 32. They play each other next weekend. As I mentioned, very much a six-pointer. They're they're really going to have to win that game, aren't they, to stand a chance of uh, probably getting fourth from RB, especially as RB have looked good in in the last two weeks but I suppose Eintracht do have that benefit of not having a midweek game yeah that, that is a I guess you'd rather be in the Pokal especially if you won it the season before and were in the final before that the year before that right and to go out in the first round against Ulm well um but yeah, I guess it is a luxury to have that week off. And um, that game against Leipzig, you look, Bryce, they have to win that game, period. Not just for the Champions League, but also because of look who's right behind them. Um, Wolfsburg, a team that we don't talk very often about, but are currently in sixth and also only six points out of the Champions League. I mean, no one, no one on this podcast predicted that we were talking about Wolfsburg making it into Europe. I mean, Chris has probably already had booked his relegation trip to uh, Wolfsburg to get ready to the Autostadt a year ago. And that's definitely not going to happen now. Sorry, Chris. Um, I think we're heading further south this year. But It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. They are right up there. So for Frankfurt, they have to win this game, period, just to stay in the European hunt. It's not even just about the Champions League. They have to win games to make the Europa League. Um, so this is a, this is going to be an enormous game for both sides. I think this is probably for me, when it comes to the, comes to the um, the, the best the best game of the week, that will be the one for me because you won't see two teams that have more to lose. In any of the other games, yes, Bayern, of course, they're playing Schalke and Schalke and Bayern. There could be a lot of drama because the loser of that game will potentially have issues with coaching. But I mean, when you look at a high octane match with two sides looking to attack, playing attractive football, have a half something that they, they need the three points, both need the three points just for the Bundesliga standings. I think that will be the match to watch next week. Yeah, I agree. That's going to be a, a hell of a game. And as we mentioned, Joe, it should be a lot of attacking football in there. And yeah, I mean, if you look at the table, you, you've got them sure on 32 points, as we mentioned. Wolfsburg 31, Leverkusen 30, Hoffenheim 29. I mean, it's, it is it is pretty close in and around that part of the table. But um, guys, we, we kept mentioning um, the gap growing between uh, Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. And people are probably thinking, well, hold on a minute, you're forgetting someone. And that's Borussia Mönchengladbach, who are sitting in second at the moment. Yes, it's down to goal difference. Uh, they're seven points behind, but they've won three games on the bounce now. And yeah, it, it may have helped that there was a sending off um, against Schalke on Saturday evening. But um, yeah, th- things are looking pretty good for Gladbach, aren't they, Chris? Yes, they are. And... Um... Yeah, this game took a while to get going. It was it was always bubbling underneath. Um, I mean, in the end, I think the right team won. If you, if you just look at ball possession wise, the you know the whole game ended with sixty three percent of the possession to to Gladbach. But in the first half, it was it was pretty much the same um, as in fifty fifty, not half. I think it was about forty five. Um, 
45, sorry, 58 to 42 it was, just looking at the stats now. So um, Gladbach did have the overall better possession, but it was it was quite equal. I mean, how many times have we have we spoke about this? Um, in the in the first half, Schalke had seven shots, but only one was on target, and it doesn't help that Weston McKenney's playing as the main striker, and Mark Uth was playing just a little bit behind to support him. And you know, Weston McKenney, I do like him, I think he's a great player, but he's not an out and out striker, um, and unfortunately, he's been having to be put in this position at the moment because. Of the goings on at Schalke, injuries, players, you know, being released out of their contracts, etc., um, and they had a real problem scoring. And yeah, it was unfortunate for Alexander Nubel because he's only a young keeper. And as as Manu said last week, there's are a lot of um, comparisons to Manuel Neuer, which is is hard for him to take on because he's so young. And you know, goalkeepers need to learn when they're young. Um, and unfortunately, Nubel's will learn from this in the worst possible way. It was a terrible challenge on on Hazard, um, but even before that, Gladbach did have the better of the game. And I mean, if you just look at some of the players that Dieter Hecking's got at his disposal, you know, I can't eulogise enough about Thorgan Hazard. If I was a coach of a football team anywhere in the world, he would be my number one name to sign for next season. I think he's that crucial to the side. Um, Lars Stindl, the captain, fantastic. Zakaria was excellent. Lang was brilliant as well, and. And, and they were very, very good. That right-hand side of, of the side, sorry, the right-hand edge of the Gladbach side were fantastic. But then if you look about who they were up against on that side, Conor Pianka, I didn't think Pate particularly well. You know, he came off. Um, unfortunately, he had to make way um, <clears throat> when the red card was there. But and even even their back line weren't particularly good. And it's, it's, it's such a hard one for Tedesco because Manu tipped by Leverkusen to win the title because of the strength of their squad. And if you look at the Schalke side, if you take the players individually, they've got a pretty good side and, and they should be doing a lot better than they are. And that only comes down to tactics and a lot of unluckiness with um, with their injuries. But yeah, you can't argue with Gladbach. It, you don't get to be second place in the Bundesliga. You don't get to be second place in any league by luck. Um, they've earned their way there and they've played some fantastic football and they've responded really well to that defeat in the um, in Signal Iduna Park against Dortmund. They've responded fantastically to that. And I mean, I saw posted this weekend, is it a three-horse race? Even though they're second, I just get the feeling that they, even though they will play as well as they can, they do have this habit just of, of underplaying within themselves. So they'll maybe play two fantastic games and, and then draw or drop points when they shouldn't. And that's what maybe thinks uh, they won't be in it for the long haul, as in the title race. But if they finish in the top four this season, they'll have deserved it. And it's a side that I would really like to see back in the Champions League because Borussia Park's a fantastic place to go. The atmosphere is incredible. And I think to be in the, in the Premier competition in Europe would be brilliant to see them back in it. Yeah, absolutely. They've they've done fantastically this year, uh, haven't they? Um, Manu, there was a, a little bit of controversy in the uh, Schalke um, Gladbach game uh, with regards to uh, the goalkeepers. So what exactly happened there? Well, Nubel was sent off, right? Um, I I really feel for Alexander Nubel, and. Um, I think he's a very, very talented keeper. I, I know, Chris, you, know, you and I have spoken off the top part and we've spoken um, on our special midweek about this as well, that um, I think young keepers have to be allowed to make mistakes. Now, at the same time, you are a, a Schalke and I, I think you can't fault uh, Tedesco and Heidel for the injuries, um, although I don't know what's going on in training. That, that's, a, of course, a different topic. But what you can fault them for is this revolving doors of players and opening up problems for themselves. I think Fairman is, is Ralph Fairman is a great keeper, and uh, he suffered a little bit from from the fact that the defense just hasn't been as good this year as it was last year. Now you put in a young keeper, he gets sent off with a red card at a place like Schalke. Now he will probably get a one or two game match ban um, because it was a straight red, right? And that means that Fairman is now back in the side. It's just, you know, is that the kind of pressure you want to put a keeper under? At the same time, 
And now I'm drawing the parallel to Manuel Neuer. That's how Manuel Neuer got his first um, um, whiff of playing Bundesliga football. Um, he, at the time, replaced another Schalke legend, Frank Rost, was put in by um, the head coach at the time. I uh, have to jump my memory on that one and was given the playing time. So yeah, young keepers, they have to be granted the, the mistakes. But it's just, I just wonder if we're doing him any favors with it at the, at the same time. So it's, 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 I'm really look, really, really curious to see how they're going to handle this. Um, is Nubel going to go back into the starting 11 once his red card, once he's set out the, the, his, his ban? I think he pretty much has to go back in because if you don't, then that will nag on his um, confidence as a young keeper. It's like basically I made one red card and made a mistake and then I was right away replaced with the with, with Fairman. But at the same time, he made a mistake in Schalke. The way they are playing, they're looking at a relegation battle for the rest of the season. So it, it is such such a difficult situation now, right? And I'm not sure how, as a head coach, I would handle it. I pretty much think Tedesco has to put him straight back in once his red card ban is over. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it, for the... Uh young goalkeeper and for Schalke really but uh, let's see how uh, Tedesco and Schalke deal with that uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, Chris you uh, rather enjoyed the uh, Sunday games uh, today Um, well for the most part anyway um, Augsburg looked fantastic that's why I'm going to you and not Manu um, to talk about their 3-0 win and then um, Stuttgart well for a moment it looked like they were going to win as well but um, late drama yeah, I mean, why don't we start at the at the Augsburg game? So, when I turned this on, I did think, oh God, Augsburg against Mainz. It's not going to be the best of games. This after you know what I'd seen over the weekend, the Friday night game was exceptional. I was lucky enough to um, cover the the Dortmund one live, and you know, watching the catch up on demand um, games later on. So obviously the Leverkusen Bayern and the rest of them were good games themselves, even though they were low scoring. So when it was Augsburg against Mainz, I, I didn't have the biggest of confidence, especially when I saw the weather, it was bucketing it down with snow. A snowy pitch is never good for anybody. Um, but Augsburg were phenomenal, Bryce. Absolutely phenomenal. I played some of the best football that I've seen this season. Um, you know the way the way they just tore Mainz apart. Um, they got a very early penalty um, after eight minutes, which um, Fing Bonnison took. Um, they got a very fortunate second penalty. Okay. It is um, it is a handball off Nicarte, but the ball um, is going out over the crossbar, and his hand it, it grazes his knuckles. It's the it's okay. It's a handball. I I don't know if it's deliberate. His arms in an unnatural position. The handball rule needs a full overhaul in the summer. Um, it needs some clarification. It didn't look a penalty for me. It was a penalty anyway. Uh, they took that, but after that, I mean the third goal. If you've not seen it. And if any of our listeners haven't seen it, get it up on YouTube, get it up on the Bundesliga website. It is one of the best one-touch football fast breaks you'll see um, for the whole of the season so far. I mean, they were so good. And and every time I've watched Augsburg live, which isn't that many times, I'll be honest, but every time I have seen them live, um, it's always Fing Bonnigsen who's impressed. And and once again, he impressed um, with with his goals today, with his hat-trick. I just... I do personally think that if um, if Augsburg get in that relegation playoff battle and don't make it, um, he will be the first one out um, in the summer and he will be going to a decent side in the Bundesliga because I reckon you could parachute him into any side and he, he's a natural finisher. Yes, indeed. And his, uh, his penalty taking has been rather impressive as well. He's had eight in the Bundesliga and scored all eight. Just goes to show how good a finisher he is and how confident. Um Guys, I suppose we need to talk a little bit about the uh, the excitement at the end of the, the Stuttgart game as as well. Um, that seems well. I managed to tune in and get back uh, in into the house for this one and watch it. And not a great deal really happened until about seventy minutes, and then, well, Manu, everything happened. Yeah, I thought this was a great game. It's a derby too, Bryce. Um, it's the Baden-Württemberg derby. Um, Stuttgart and Freiburg are not very far apart, right? So this is, this is a big game, and it's a game in this case um, with, with huge implications because for Freiburg, three points, and they would have been pretty much out of the relegation battle, right? With 24 points, um, you know, things would have looked very, very good for them. 
Um, I think the one point is still very important, uh, seven points clear of, of Stuttgart now. Um, but, you know, the two extra points, they would have been 10 points clear. And for Stuttgart, if they had won this game, they had 17 points, they would have been right behind Augsburg, keep the pressure up on Augsburg. Now it's only 15. It's a tricky one for them because they, you know, they turned around the game. Um, then they had Mario Gomez sent off. Um, doesn't happen a lot that Mario Gomez gets sent off. And I thought this was, this was a, was a dumb second yellow to take his elbow all the way up, up on his ear and, um, in the Freiburg's player's face. I don't understand why an experienced player like that goes into a challenge like that when he's already on a yellow and really costs him because one man down in a derby, that's just going to be a difficult one, right? So, yeah, lots going on in this game. It was a it was a good derby match, relegation battle, had everything, um, all the dramas, maybe even the perfect way to end um, this match day in the Bundesliga on on a Sunday night. Yeah, plenty of fun, plenty of drama. Quite often, something that's uh, lacking in the Sunday games, where we got it all today, didn't we? So. Yeah, unfortunately for Stuttgart, um, not all three points though. But um, guys, uh, we need to do our new feature, eh? We mentioned it last week and we're going to uh, start it as of this week, uh, Team of the Week. So Chris and Manu will go through uh, their 11 that they believe um, impressed the most and then we'll try and have an actual joint Team of the Week. So yeah, a little bit of... Uh, confrontation maybe as maybe the guys may not um, agree but um, let's see how we get on let's go to Chris Chris um, what goalkeeper have you picked oh well I'll, what I'll do is I'll rattle through my side and then we'll see how close Manu is to the perfect 11 um, so obviously I over the weekend and and last weekend although this is obviously team in a week but it's been happening for a few weeks now Roman Berkey um, then defence-wise, I've gone with Halstenberg and Orban, who had a fantastic game on Friday night. Um, because of his performance on today, and because he's not necessarily a defender, he's actually a midfielder, um, Kadira from Augsburg's come in. And then to make up my back line, um, I've got Piszczek. Um, in midfield, I've dropped Thug and Hazard back into midfield. A little bit sneaky there, um, I will admit to that, but he is a midfielder. I've pulled him back into midfield, midfield three, with Julian Brandt and Tyler Adams, two players who had fantastic games over the weekend. Obviously, Brandt was key to Leverkusen's win at, uh, sorry, Leverkusen's win over Bayern, and Adams was just phenomenal again. Um, and up front, I've gone for the three of, I think, Bonnickson, um, scored three today. Don't think that needs any explanation. Uh, Lars Stindl, who um, is just phenomenal as a captain and, and, and his work rate is top-notch. He's made it. And then Jovic for his acrobatic stretch goal um, to level the scores up at Dortmund. So that's my 11. Berkey, Hassenberg, Orban, Kadira, Piszczek, Hazard, Brandt, Adams, Finbogsen, Stindl and Jovic. Very good. Hmm. And yeah, a lot of good players and unsurprising with the performances that they've had this weekend. Manu, I would imagine that you're going to have some that are that, that are the same here, right? Um, let, let's go through your 11. Yeah, so Berkey, I think, can't argue with that. Um, he's been phenomenal. So then my back line looks similar. I have a couple of difference. I have Halstenberg, so I agree with Chris on that one. Orban scored twice. Hard to disagree with that. Um, took Brooks over Kadir Gris. I thought Tyler, uh, the Brooks, um, John Anthony Brooks was excellent for Wolfsburg. And then I also took Rosal Young. Um, I know he's a left back like Halstenberg, but, uh, you know, I couldn't decide. So I'll just, uh, he just will have to play on the right in this one. Then midfield, Brandt, Adams, Da Costa, um, Greer and Brandon Adams. I'm curious, why did you put, uh, Hazard in midfield? I guess you can really put him anywhere. He would help your side. Um, it's good. Really good player. Um, but for me, Da Costa in midfield, he's, he's been such a great player for Frankfurt for so long. And I think he should really, um, be an option for Joachim Löw in the national team. There's not many players that can offer that kind of pace. And that's something Germany has been lacking for some time. So Da Costa for me in this team of the week. And then up front, um, so Hazard, I put Hazard up front. Finn Borgerson, you can't, you can't argue with that. And then uh, Bailey, um, as well, um, up front, but. Yeah, that's that's my eleven. A lot of similarities, some things that um a little bit different. I'm curious, um who are we gonna pick, Chris? Well, they are two good eleven sides and yeah, I've been a little bit cheeky there because 
Um, I wanted to go with a 4-3-3 um, system because it's just the easiest to pick three midfielders and three attackers. But with Finbogson, Stindl and Jovic having such a good game, I couldn't neglect Hazard. And um, you've got De Costa in there. And De Costa was in my team of the week. Um, but I had to accommodate Thug and Hazard. I could not not have him in. Um, so De Costa came out for me and I sneakily dropped Hazard back into a midfield position, which he can play. Now, if I was to put this... Um, out as a tactical, Hazard would play advanced um, just in front of Brant and Adams and behind the front three. So that's how I'm going to get away with that one. Um, I mean, pretty much if we're going to go for team of the week, we're pretty much there as a as a pairing, aren't we, really? Um, I mean, let's have a look at the back line. We've both got Berkey. We've both got Hasenberg. We've both got Orban. Um, so, you know, it's going to be out of the one or the two. So I will... I will argue for Piszczek, um, but you will also argue for Brooks. So that seems like a pretty setback for to me. Yeah, and it makes sense because Piszczek is actually a right back <laughs> in this lineup anyways, right? Um, I was sneaky and put Rosal Young <laughs> on, on, on the right there and he doesn't actually play that position. And uh, yeah, Brooks um, maybe over Kadira. Uh, I, I thought um, he, he was slightly better this weekend. Yeah, you can do that. Fantasy football, everybody plays yeah. it. All our listeners will play it. You can have four left backs in your defense if you want. They don't. It wouldn't have go to well, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, if if those left backs are that good on one week, I say, yeah, why not? Why not we just put them in, eh? Um, guys, then uh, the midfield uh, and attack. I suppose we have to uh, pin down as well. Well, I mean, we've both got Brandt and Adams. Yeah, um, and I'm happy for Da Costa. To um, to drop in um, into the into the midfield eleven because he he just about made mine and I'm pretty sure that Manu would put Hazard up front so that probably mm. only leaves one space. Yeah, so that yeah, so say the three midfield: Brand Adams, Da Costa, and then um, yeah, Hazard. Sorry, Brand Adams, Da Costa in midfield, and Hazard up front together with Finn Borgerson. I mean, hard to argue that. Um, it means we, you, or I guess you sacrificed uh, Stindl then, right, Chris? I'll, 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 I'll sacrifice Bailey and we'll put Jovic in. There we go. So we've got Berkey, Hastenberg, Brooks, Orban, Piszczek, Brandt, Adams, Tacosta, Hazard, Finbogson, and Jovic. That's a pretty strong team of the week for me. Yeah, I would, I would actually go along with that. I mean, it's, it's you can play around. I mean, there's so many names and so many good performances, but. Yeah, I think for this week, there isn't that much controversy. I'm sorry, Bryce, you were probably hoping for a bit more. Oh, although we don't have a coach, we should probably throw a coach of the week. I'm going to put Peter Bosch in there for discussion. Oh, well, he did beat oh, Bayern 3-1. <laughs> That's very true. But is this the moment we're going to have a bit of controversy? No, we don't need a coach. We don't need a coach. I was just joking. <laughs> and to be honest I think if you were to pick a coach you probably got it on, on the button there Chris anyway but yeah um, Manu will, will be putting this up online or anything like mm -hmm. that a team of the week for people to see yeah it will be on, on the Twitter and we'll have a little page for it on uh, com as well oh, great stuff but yeah I'm looking forward to in the in the future weeks uh, maybe having a bit of a debate to, over uh, one of these four left backs at the back Bryce we want the listeners to debate this as well so if you completely disagree with us that's fine um, we'll probably ignore you no I'm kidding we will we'll definitely put all the give, all the input is definitely <laughs> welcome um, we would like to hear about other people's teams of the weeks um, so respond to the team of the week on Twitter Send us your team of the week. Tell us why you disagree, why you agree. Um, it's nice to get our ego stroked a little bit too. Just tell us. Um, and we're really curious to hear the feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as always, we welcome people getting in touch with the uh, podcast either at Football Grand Live or you can uh, get in touch with Chris, myself or Manu. Uh, on our Twitter pages, Twitter handles. Um, guys, I think that more or less does it for this week. Chris, uh, what have you got coming up? Uh, will there be a little bit of Pokal action on the Football Grand Network? I'm pretty sure there will because um, there's a full fixture list of, of games and there's a couple of big ones that we'll be following, notably the um, Dortmund and Bayern fixtures. Um, we'll get a full coverage, but but yeah, it will be... Uh, it'll be the Pokal and just prepping for the next match day, really. And Manu, as you said, you know, Tuesday you fly mm. over to Germany. Yeah, I'm flying Tuesday, so 
Certainly, I'm. Um, I'll probably be watching the Pokal and Lufthansa. They have a service, so I'm fly- while I'm while I'm on the plane, I will be watching some Pokal action. That'd be great. Um, but Wednesday, um, there will be coverage on my part. I'm sure Chris will take over um, the coverage on Tuesday, and we'll we'll cover the games. And um, you know, we're getting slowly but surely. We're also getting ready for the European games to come back. So it's it's really heating up. Um, it's a really exciting time of the year in general. Um, this this February March period um, where things kind of fall into place a little bit. Yeah, not long now until those European games come back, as you said. Um, guys, if you need any more football in your life, head over to at Football Grad Live. Uh, the guys will have lots of different articles from around the world on there and um, yeah, plenty more about the Pokal games and our team of the week now. So um, that more or less does it. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. Um, but until next week when we've got another exciting match day and we'll be able to cover those Pokal games uh, a little bit as well. Um, I'll feed us in. <laughs>it wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.